Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this roundup of the past week of fake news. Well, cancel culture took an interesting new turn this week. And I trust I don't have to explain to you what cancel culture is, but liberals, of course, at first denied that it was even a thing. But by now, I think that's been proven wrong. People have been canceled multiple times over the past few years for things like inappropriate jokes, having conservative politics, not taking the latest CDC position on pandemic issues, questioning election results, saying something that has been interpreted as racist or sexist, and, and on and on. Some cancelings are more justifiable than, justifiable than others, obviously. Um, like when someone does a criminal act or has an adulterous affair or sexual harassment or covers up unethical activity, you know, it can be justifiable to make them lose their job over that. But I can't, of course, agree with some of the silly or unfair reasons that people have been getting fired the past few years. Like when someone's tweets from 10 years ago are dug up and then used against them. Or when a Dr. Seuss book is accused of racism but it's never explained why it's racist. And like I said, things took a bit of an interesting turn this week. People began canceling themselves. <laughs> That's right. So people are now pulling their own music off Spotify as a protest against the free speech policies that Spotify has. Um, artists like Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills & Nash, basically anyone who hasn't released a song in the past 30 years, they are using this moment to remind you that they still exist, but now only on Apple Music and in the memories of your great-grandparents. So these artists demanded that Spotify remove the Joe Rogan podcast because uh, Joe Rogan, you know, he does interviews. Joe Rogan, as I like to say, my arch nemesis, since he's a fellow podcaster, so I think that makes him a competitor. That makes us um, competitors of each other, right? And so my arch nemesis, Joe Rogan, who has a, actually really a fantastic show. He does these interview programs. I've only listened to a few episodes, but they, are, they were quite pleasant to listen to. Um, just really casual, conversational interviews with people with experience in all kinds of different fields. It's not based around any, any one certain um, slant on things. He, he interviews conservatives and liberals. He interviews people of all types about all kinds of different issues. And so no matter what you're into, you can probably find some interesting interview there on his show. Uh, it, I'm not, I wouldn't even call him a conservative, although he's become kind of a conservative hero here lately. I wouldn't define him as a conservative person. Um, I think he's kind of, well, he said that he's a Bernie Sanders supporter. I don't even know if he called himself socialist, but he likes, he likes Bernie Sanders politics. And so anyway, uh, he's become though, he's become a conservative icon here lately because he's taking a strong stand for free speech and saying, you know, I'm going to interview whoever I want and let them say what they want. And a lot of Democrats don't like that. We'll kind of get to why later. But anyway, some of these music artists, they've said that either Joe Rogan had to go or they would pull their music off of Spotify. Um, and Spotify is standing with Joe Rogan. They're going to keep Joe Rogan. Here's a big reason why. They paid him, it was a crazy amount, like $100 million a year or two ago. They said, if you will make your podcast exclusively on Spotify, they paid him like millions of dollars to do that. It was some crazy wild amount because he's got the most popular podcast out there. Um, it, it gets a lot more attention 
than any CNN show. He gets more people listening to his podcast episodes than um, a lot of cable news networks will get on their own programs. And so anyway, the music artist, though, who, again, it's kind of it's not really about principles. It's kind of a publicity stunt to get their name out there. We'll talk about that in a minute. But this act of free speech and sharing a platform, this stuff that Joe Rogan is standing for, um, that, that's a bridge too far for the tyrannical left. You know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought we'd be having this conversation. But today, the political left, which, which they used to be the strongest free speech advocates in America, they're now on the side of censorship. They want to censor everyone in the name of public safety and misinformation. They want to censor anyone who disagrees with them. So... As we kind of said on this show, as long as you can claim public safety concerns, a large portion of society is going to go along with with whatever you want. So for artists like Neil Young, I do have to say that's a pretty smart marketing strategy as far as his personal brand goes, <laughs> even if there's no integrity behind it. Um, but this idea of you know using this to get your name out there, saying, oh, I'll censor myself unless you pull Joe Rogan down, that gets his name out in a lot of people who might not have otherwise heard of him. I, like, I spent a week... Literally, I spent a week thinking about how I really used to respect Neil Young. I really, I mean, as in, I not really not knowing about him as the person, I guess, but I enjoyed a lot of his songs. And then it hit me. Wait a minute. I was thinking of Neil Diamond. So who even is Neil Young? I have no idea who Neil Young is. <laughs> so the, this is just a marketing ploy on his end. I guess he was a big musician a long time ago, before I was born. This was a great marketing ploy for him because whether Spotify bowed down to his demands or not, he gets his name in the news. When you open Apple Music right now, it has him listed as a featured artist. Okay? Now, if not for this stunt, nobody today who's under 40 probably ever would have thought about him again. So, like I said, you got to admire the strategy behind it. And then there's a few other music artists from like the 70s and 80s who are now in their 70s and 80s, and they jumped on board with this scheme. And I'm sure it's working out well for them too. Notice that nobody who's creating and selling modern music is pulling this stunt. Because, you know, if they actually make money off of Spotify, then they aren't going to pull this this little stunt here. Um, By the way, fake news, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. We will stay on Spotify, too. If you're listening on Spotify, we're sticking around. But besides the publicity aspect of this whole thing, uh, for these old artists, I will say I think it's interesting because it's yet another example of how the political left in this country, they want to control all sources of information flow. Like these these artists who are doing this, they aren't just musicians, they're clearly leftists. This censorship, even this act of self-censorship, this is a left-wing thing. Canceling yourself. I can't believe we're even at this point where people are canceling themselves. But canceling themselves, I mean, this is a this is the extreme radical. This is this is like the suicide bomber kamikaze action of of anti-free speech radicals <laughs> um you know in the past you know when someone's a real extremist or fundamentalist sometimes they'll do something like set themselves on fire or be a suicide bomber i guess that's this is what that is for democrats a lot less violent i'll admit that's what it's like for democrats though in this country they will cancel themselves to to prove a point and um Again, they're doing this because the left wants to control the information flow. That's why they're all in favor of this censorship. Um, Prior to the creation of the Internet, it was easier for the left to do this because all they had to do was control the mainstream media. And they did. You only saw what they wanted you to see for decades. But ever since the Internet, 
it has made it possible for for anybody who has a camera and the ability to write, it's turned them into citizen journalists. Now the mainstream media is held in check because if they lie too much, anybody who's out there who could, who saw the truth can blow their narratives up. Like if it weren't for citizens with cameras, everybody today would think Kyle Rittenhouse was a murderer and he'd be sitting in jail. You never would have heard about the time that Hillary Clinton collapsed into a van in 2016 that was caught by a citizen journalist. When the left was the information gatekeepers, the truth could be tamped down, but not anymore. So this push to demonize Facebook, which, you know, the left right now is outright blaming Facebook for all the the COVID pandemic. They're blaming Facebook for the COVID pandemic now because their boogeyman Trump is out of the way. So they, they just in there they blame Joe Rogan for COVID. They're blaming Facebook right now for COVID. The disease that came from China. They're they're blaming all these other entities because they want to control these entities. And this push to crack down on all the social media platforms, that's just it's the left's latest attempt to control what people think. The internet has made us too free. It made us too smart. And Democrats don't like it when we're free and smart. They want to change the playing field ASAP. This week, even the White House demanded that Spotify do more to censor the free speech of its podcasters. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, if Trump had done that, it would have been in the news for days. It would have, they would have said it was norm-breaking, authoritarian move by an authoritarian president. Um, and I don't, I don't really don't even want to dive too deep into comparisons with whether Trump had done this. You know what? The Biden White House is doing it, and it's bad. We don't really need to compare it to something else to make that point. The Biden White House has asked Facebook and Spotify, and other social media companies to do more to silence people who don't agree with their opinions. The government shouldn't be telling social media companies who to silence. Because whoever controls the government, they would just use that power to punish their political enemies. And and free speech should be based on principles, not political parties. Um, But our problem right now is there's just no principles that are guiding these censorship policies. It's all about punishing conservatives giving Democrats a pass for doing the same thing. We'll, we'll talk about that more with Whoopi Goldberg later. But remember, the, the Democrats have outright said that Facebook needs to do more to squelch Republican voices. And that if Facebook doesn't, then they're blaming Facebook for when they lose the 2022 midterms. <laughs> they actually claim that if too much information is, is allowed to be shared, they're going to lose the 2022 midterms. Because too much information hurts the Democrats. Like I said, The internet has made us too free and too smart. And Democrats are willing to do whatever it takes to change that, no matter how demented, no matter the cost, even if that means making Joni Mitchell famous again. All right, let's get on to our second story. Um, I want to talk about CNN President Jeff Zucker. He is out. He resigned this week. This was a surprise because there was no warning. There were no rumblings that this was coming. Um, On Tuesday, he released this short statement, I'll I'll just read it to you what it said. It said, as part of the investigation into Chris Cuomo's tenure at CNN, I was asked about a consensual relationship with my closest colleague, someone I have worked with for more than 20 years. I acknowledge the relationship evolved in recent years. I was required to disclose it when it began, but I didn't. I was wrong. As a result, I am resigning today. I came to CNN on January 28, 2013. Together we had nine great years. I certainly wish my tenure here had ended differently, but it was an amazing run, and I loved every minute. I am grateful to the thousands of incredibly talented CNN and Turner Sports employees who helped make this such a joy for me and such a success for all of us. 
So he said he's resigning because he was caught having an affair uh, or a relationship, I guess. I don't think he's not married anymore, but he had a relationship with one of his fellow colleagues, uh, a girl named Allison something, it turned out. And anyway, whenever you work for a big company and you have a relationship with someone else who works for that company, you're supposed to sign some kind of um, legal agreement saying you're not going to sue the company over whatever drama comes from this relationship. So anyway, he didn't sign one of those agreements, and so he was fired. Um, now, or resigned, I should say. He he resigned. Um, I guess the board could have fired him over this. They would have had grounds to fire him. Now, that's not... I mean, it's not a major thing that a board might fire their company president over. So here's what I think the real story is. I think there's worse information out there than this. There's probably some more unethical skeletons in his closet <laughs> than just this. Um, and and those are probably coming to light soon if he sticks around. So he's getting out now. I mean, if this was, if that was really all that it was, if this was all it was, the board probably would have just tried to sweep it under the rug. But I think the board is not interested in defending Jeff Zucker because CNN has just tanked so hard the past few years. As Zucker said he's been there since 2013. He's really run this thing into the ground. Like, notice, okay, so he said he came to CNN in 2013. Now, if you go back to 2013 me, I would have easily said to, that CNN was probably the most trustworthy news source back then, especially in 2012. Like, my attitude was Fox was too conservative. The others out there were too liberal. But when I was in college, like from 2006, 2011, that time, CNN, during that time, it was easily the best. Um, I remember in 2012, that was during the presidential race between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. And I remember going to CNN's website for, mo for what I considered to be the most objective news. Um, I knew that Fox would just only be pro-Romney. I knew that other news sources would only be pro-Obama. And I, I remember just finding the best balance on CNN. And, and you could kind of measure this. You could see a poll on like CNN's website and their, their polls on their website would really reflect society as a whole. Like, not just CNN viewers. They would be representative of America as a whole. So, Zucker said he's been there since 2013. I don't know if he's been president of the company the whole time. But I will say, you, we all noticed this huge shift at CNN around 2015 or 16. When Trump announced he was running, they became very anti-Trump. And now, CNN is no longer the most trusted name in news. It's a parody of what it used to be. Um, I mean, it feels like their their hosts today, they seem like an SNL skit of, of what CNN used to be, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, so it was announced that, that Zucker, um, when they announced that Jeff Zucker was leaving, they referred to themselves in the story that they put out. They referred to themselves as the iconic news network of CNN. They referred to themselves that way. You know, they, they call themselves the iconic news network. They're just a joke now. They're, they're characterized by clowns like Don Lemon, who gets drunk every year for entertainment value, I guess. Anderson Cooper, okay? He invited, literally a few years ago, invited a porn star onto his show to describe what the sitting president of the United States looked like naked. Uh, CNN's just become an embarrassment. They're, they're a far-left mouthpiece. And they've clearly had that that loss of credibility has been reflected in their ratings. Well, I'm going to play a clip of, this is just CNN from the past few years, okay? 
just all the lies they've told. They're whining this week because more people trust Joe Rogan than trust CNN. They're whining about that on air. Listen to all the lies that have been told on CNN in the past few years, okay? And, and you're going to hear people like, you're going to hear him talking to Michael Avenatti. They're going to be puffing him up as like the next presidential uh, candidate to run for the Democrats in 2020. Michael Avenatti's in prison today. <laughs> but here they were a few years ago. You're going to hear in this clip, you know, puffing him up as the next front runner to take on Donald Trump. You're going to hear the Cuomos talking to each other. Um, the Cuomo, bro- you both of whom are, are, have lost their jobs in the past year due to sexual harassment charges. So you're going to hear a lot of lies for the next two minutes. We are not fake news. We are real news. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. Some rioters were planning to murder lawmakers. What does Putin have on Trump? Has Trump been compromised? That Kavanaugh aided and abetted in the commission of a gang rape. But it does look like that young man to me is taunting the Native American Vietnam vet and he's in his face. When you start whipping people with, and you want to split hairs between reins and whips. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing by either Joe or Hunter Biden. Looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. A widely held conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was created in a Chinese laboratory. Dr. Fauci, thank you uh, for keeping it straight. Thank you for fighting the good fight. We know the science. We know that masks work. This is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is now a pandemic of choice. You can stay unvaccinated if you want, but you're not going to be able to travel to see your family. Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says he says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin. I hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country. Disturbing video last night showed Jacob Blake unarmed, being shot by police. Obviously, we do it overseas against our adversaries, but we don't spy on Americans. If you want to believe the NSA is reading your favorite TV star's emails, go right ahead. He claims it's true. The NSA denies it, of course. There is no one more knowledgeable, more decent, more honest, uh, more committed to the interests of America than John Brennan. The biggest terror threat in this country comes from radicals on the far right, primarily white men. Domestic terrorism seems to be starting to spread virally in the way that we saw that happen overseas with ISIS. Violence has erupted during anti-lockdown protests. Only we had a vaccine against BS. We're not here to spin things or uh, you know, color things a certain way. We're here to give the people reliable, accurate information on a daily basis. That's why we all come into work every day. So just to recap, CNN lately, in the past few months, they've lost two producers for being exposed as pedophiles. Two producers. Don Lemon, another host, he has a sexual harassment lawsuit. Chris Cuomo was fired for sexual harassment. And apparently Cuomo had dirt on Zucker, and that's why Zucker is having to get out now. Because Cuomo is not going down without a fight. He's um, he's trying to bring his colleagues down with him. He's, he's claiming, basically, that uh, he was fired for doing un- unethical things. But he says, you know, these unethical things were sanctioned by the higher-ups at CNN. And that he has proof. And that he has proof of how the CNN people like Jeff Zucker, how they collaborated with Democrat politicians like his brother, Andrew Cuomo, um, to puff up Andrew Cuomo during the coronavirus pandemic. And I mean, that's exactly what they were doing every day. They were going on talking about what a great job Andrew Cuomo was doing when he wasn't <laughs> for, I, you know, for whatever reasons, I'm not even going to get into their motivations for that. Clearly they love the Democrats. So maybe, I don't know if they were trying to puff him up for a presidential run or what, but 
Um, Cuomo has has the receipts on all this, so he's not going down without a fight. He's taken Jeff Zucker down with him. He's he's subpoenaed some information, I guess, from CNN regarding conversations between Zucker and this woman he's having an affair with. So he's exposing Zucker on his way out. And now that Zucker is gone, um, here's what I'm going to say to CNN because they've had a lot of problems the past few years. I'm not, and I'm not saying this to hate on CNN right here. Like, I'm, I kind of just reviewed some facts there. They've had a lot of embarrassments. A lot of their hosts are jokes. Here's what I would say. CNN's only hope to regain its former status, hire a new president who's dedicated to having a balanced newsroom. I'm always so hard on CNN because I still believe they have the potential to be great. Um, MSNBC. Yeah, they're a far-left news company. They're even more radical than CNN. But I don't really consider them to have, like, <laughs> they don't have a path to greatness. I would say CNN does. I'm not saying they have to fire everyone at their network and, like, totally clean house. Keep um, keep Brian Stelter. Keep Jake Tapper. F- fine. F- I'd fire Don Lemon. He's just not very smart. I'd fire Anderson Cooper for being a creep. I'd fire Jeffrey Tubin. He exposed himself to several employees on a Zoom call, for some reason, they put him on suspension and they brought him back on air. He's just a further embarrassment to the network. I mean, I would cl- I would clean houses and get rid of a lot of people out there. But there's some you could keep, okay? Keep, keep some of the liberals. Hire some conservative hosts. Present a network that's actually balanced in its coverage, okay? If you have, if you have like three or four primetime left-wing hosts, get on three or four conservative hosts make it that's what actual balance means guys okay you can be more balanced than fox that's easy you can be more credible than fox that would be easy to do because right now there's a vacuum of objective news and i would say cnn is literally the best network that's poised to fill that void they have a clear path forward now if they want to take it they have nowhere to go but up by the way cnn if you're looking for a new show could hire fake news a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast we'd have to change our subtitle because it makes fun of cnn but hey we would even leave spotify for you okay cnn you got you got opportunity here don't blow it let's go on to story number three this one's just so funny for story three today continuing in our theme of social media which has been a big theme today yeah aoc alexandra ocasio-cortez um democrat from twitch she announced that she's leaving Twitter. And so here was her statement. I'm going to play her statement that she made saying that she's not coming back to Twitter. That's so funny that you bring that up. Yeah, when I got COVID, I turned off all my devices, which means I wasn't really on social media that much or anything like that. And I found that when I went to open Twitter up again, it just like wasn't really making me. So, I mean, literally I would go to open the app and I almost felt like anxious people like kind of fight and gossip and all this other stuff so much but and there's a lot of negativity on there yeah she said people kind of fight and gossip and all that sort of stuff so much and there is a lot of negativity on there so she's saying she quit twitter because it's so negative and people fight this is the woman who used twitter to accuse ted cruz of trying to kill her okay no exaggeration oh wait wait we're receiving word Uh uh-huh Okay, hold on a minute. Okay, never mind. AOC's back on Twitter now. <laughs> she, she tweeted out that Joe Manchin, um, she said, seniors and kids and people with disabilities in my community 
have been sleeping with bubble jackets on in 18 degree nights because Joe Manchin won't vote for the Build Back Better bill. Yes, she's returned to Twitter. And her first tweet back is to blame Joe Manchin for the people in her district who are sleeping in 18 degree weather without heat. It's kind of weird how this liberal city that's been that she's from that's been run by liberals for 50 years is having trouble keeping the heat on. It must be Joe Manchin's fault down in West Virginia, guys, right? <laughs> that's that's her logic. So, she said she's leaving Twitter because of the negativity and then she came back in less than 24 hours to be hateful to a West Virginia senator and blame him for the problems in her district. Uh, she, so this this woman is one of the main contributors to the hatefulness of Twitter. Ted Cruz once replied to one of her tweets to say that he agreed with her about something. I don't remember what. He was, he's being nice to her. He said he agreed with her about some issue. And she said back to him, here's a real quote. She said, I am happy to work with Republicans on this issue when there's common ground, but you almost had me murdered three weeks ago, so you can sit this one out. She accused him of trying to murder her because of the Capitol riot on the very platform that she says has too much negativity <laughs> and fighting and gossip. Uh, just this past week. Okay, she said on Twitter on February 2nd, which was Wednesday, all right? She said that Chuck Schumer needs to make Arizona Senator Christian Cinema and the West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. She said that Chuck Schumer needs to make their lives as difficult as possible. Okay, so she's mad at these senators, and she said, this is a quote from her tweet. She said, make their lives as difficult as possible. She said that Wednesday on the platform that she said was too negative and had too much fighting. But, you know, by the way, she's probably said that because she's embarrassed to be on Twitter because she had that Twitter meltdown like about a month ago when she went to Florida for vacation after spending all of last year complaining about Florida, railing on it, saying it's a state that doesn't care about people, that spreads COVID. And then she partied with some freaks down there and she caught COVID, for, I don't know, from them or what. After spending two years acting like, you know, it's only irresponsible and bad people who got COVID. And then she caught it after some wild party she was at. Uh, you know, she just continues to turn herself into a joke on that platform. So I could see why she'd want to avoid it. I, what I don't know is why she came back. <laughs> she said she was leaving Twitter because Twitter is a source of hate. Yet she is one of the most famous sources of toxicity on that very platform. She's the one using her platform as a member of Congress to normalize violent and escalated language against your political opponents. You know, when it comes to Twitter, she might as well have said she's not coming back because it's stupid or doesn't know anything about the Constitution or economics or how garbage disposals work because her presence on Twitter contributes to the community of stupid people, of people who don't know anything about the Constitution or economics or how to operate a garbage disposal. Okay, everyone, I need your help because... I just moved into this apartment a few months ago and I flipped this switch and it made that noise and it scared the daylights out of me. I am told this is a garbage disposal. I've never seen a garbage disposal. I never had one in any place I've ever lived. It is terrifying. I don't know what to use it for or what its purpose is. Like food scraps? Like is this environmentally sound? I don't know. Yeah, that's a real clip that she posted to her Instagram after she moved from her New York upper class neighborhood where she was born into riches. And now she's 
She was living in D.C. as a new congresswoman. This is the socialist member of Congress who represents the people. And she doesn't even know what a garbage disposal is. Because she's probably never been in a kitchen like a day of her life. She probably had servants who worked in the kitchen and cooked her meals. I would... I would be surprised if she's ever cooked a meal in her entire life. I'm not kidding. The great thing about AOC is that she routinely goes on social media to expose what an idiot she is. And she did that once again this week. So <laughs> to AOC, thanks for coming back to Twitter. All right. File this next story under told you so. By the way, I'm just going to mention this real quick before I go on. Um, if you have small children around you right now, if you have any kids around you, you might just want to Turn off the podcast, skip ahead. I put timestamps in so you can see like where the next story begins. This next story I'm going to talk about is for adult ears only. This is not something kid appropriate, uh, but it's something that we need to talk about because it's becoming a problem in our society. There is a pro-pedophilia professor. Psh, okay, say that five times fast. A pro-pedophilia professor at the State University of New York, also known as S-U-N-Y or Sunny. But Sunny has a cloud looming over it this week, as one of its professors was heard in a video that was shared all over social media this week, defending what he calls adult-child sex, okay? Which is also known as pedophilia, or being a child predator to the rest of society. Uh, Let me play a clip of him. Imagine that an adult male uh, wants to have sex with a a 12-year-old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. A very standard, very widely held view that there's something deeply wrong about this, and it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that it is, in fact, wrong. I think this is a mistake, and I think that exploring why it's a mistake will tell us not only things about adult child sex and statutory rape, but also about fundamental principles of morality. So his name is Stephen Kirshner. Kirshner? He's a professor at SUNY. And that, by the way, that clip I played, that was one of the most mild clips of what he said um, when he said it's not obvious to him why it's wrong for adults and kids to do that. He actually spoke for several minutes on this subject matter, and much of what he said was very graphic. It was something I couldn't even share on this show without changing, like, the rating of my show to explicit. And some of it literally involved babies, okay? He was defending, talking about the virtues of actual sexual activity with infants, this freak was defending it, like encouraging it even, because he said that in the stories that he heard about, that the child seemed to enjoy it. <laughs> the stories he heard about, right. Um, I can't even play play you all that he said, um, and I do not encourage you to seek it out. I'm just telling you this is the stuff he said in these clips. So after these, these quotes leaked, Sonny put out a statement. This was back at the beginning of the week. They said that they are investigating his comments, okay? They're investigating it. By the way, then once this got out, then several other clips and statements that he's made over the past several years started coming out. And this guy, this is not a one-off, like one weird comment that a professor said. This guy has been trying to defend and destigmatize what he calls adult child sex since at least 2015, okay? So, this has been an ongoing thing that for some reason this guy's he's just now, you know, becoming more well known. But got caught. And then so Thursday night, Sonny put out another statement and said, Dear Fredonia community, I'm writing to provide you. This is from like the president of SUNY. 
I'm writing to provide you with an update on the matter involving one of our professors interviewed in a widely shared video podcast. We will continue to investigate this situation. In the meantime, effective immediately and until further notice, the professor is being assigned to duties that do not include his physical presence on campus and will not have contact with students while the investigation is ongoing. So they're still investigating, and after three days, they decided to reassign him to other duties. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of like what the Catholic Church did. For, for decades, whenever one of its priests was caught molesting kids, they'd just reassign him to another city. Um, they did that hundreds of times before they finally got caught, and I think it was caught uh, the spotlight um, investigative team at the Washington Post, like back when they did real journalism. They, they, you know, caught on to that and exposed it. Uh, was it the Washington Post or was it the Boston? Let me Google that real quick. That was the Boston Globe. Okay, I had to Google that. Because I want to give them credit. That was They made a movie about it called Spotlight. Fantastic movie, by the way. They deserve some credit for that because back then journalists did, like, real journalism. That was a big story back in, the, I think, the 90s. Um, so... Back when they did real journalism, like they, <laughs> journalists uncovered these kind of scandals. Uh, this guy, though, has been around since 2015, and he's just now getting caught. Where have the journalists been? Where has the FBI been? Hashtag disband the FBI. Hashtag Noah get the boat. So why is the school, here's what I want to ask, though. Why is the school still investigating this matter and not just firing him? Because when I played that clip for you earlier... How long did it take you to determine that this guy should be fired? Because I, I knew that he needed to go before the clip had even finished playing. But if you're Sonny, the investigation is still ongoing. Okay, after three days, they finally admit maybe he shouldn't be around students for right now. Well, great job, guys. <laughs> glad, glad you made it that far. So I just said a few episodes ago, um, I was talking about how the normalization of pedophilia I think we did a Beyond the Headlines segment on this from something in USA Today. I talked about how the normalization of pedophilia is just going to keep occurring. You're going to see it pop up again and again. Now that, that homosexuality and transgenderism have become societally accepted, this is, I guess it's going to be the next step. And people always say, oh no, we won't go there because consent, you know, we, we believe that only people who consent. But listen to what stuff like what that professor is saying. Consent is not a viable standard because now you can just change the consent laws. Uh, this reminds me of a conversation I had with somebody one time who was an atheist. And uh, he said, he was kind of mocking me, I guess, about why I trust the Bible's morality. And he made this comment to me about why I shouldn't trust the Bible's morality, that I should be like him and come to my own conclusions like him. He said, why do you trust what the Bible says when the authors lived in the desert and had sex with goats. Okay, that's literally what this guy said. By the way, I already warned you, this is not a segment that's good for <laughs> kids if you have kids around. And by the way, what he said was not even true. Like, the Bible authors didn't do that. But I think he was making this, he was probably making that claim based on, like, you know, some, what some would say are racist tropes, by the way, about Middle Eastern people. But anyway, what he said to me was, he said, the Bible is a very poor moral code written by a bunch of backwards men who probably had sex with goats. And then he talked about how humanism provides us with all the moral guidance that we need. Humanism. So I just asked him a very simple question. I just said to him, okay, so on humanism, 
why is it wrong to have sex with goats? And I just asked him this question because he said, he said himself, humanism provides us all the morals that we need. And he has kind of already implied or asserted that it's bad to have sex with goats. Okay, that was kind of um, implied in his what he thought was a takedown of the Bible. <laughs> so, so I just said to him on humanism, why is it wrong to have sex with goats? And this is what he said to me. He said, oh, well, goats can't consent. That was his reasoning. And by the way, that doesn't even really derive from anything in humanism, by the way. That derives from our, like, our American legal code, which is rooted, by the way, in the Christian Bible. But anyway, like it, it's rooted in a, in a Judeo-Christian worldview, as they say, a biblical worldview that the atheist follows, but he doesn't even realize it. Okay. So he said animals can't consent to sexual activity. And that is his reasoning for why it would be wrong to have sex with goats. The problem with that is there's there's no underlying philosophy behind that which says that it's wrong. Like, if the law is the only thing that makes it morally wrong, then all you have to do is change the law if you don't like it. So I was trying to get to what's his underlying philosophy that guides what he thinks should be a law. Again, he doesn't know it, but it's Judeo-Christian. But he doesn't realize that. He's trying to get away from the Bible and say he can do all this with humanism. So his explanation was, goats can't consent. So I said to him, well, cows can't consent to being chopped up into hamburgers. Are all human, are, are, I said, are all humanists also vegetarians? Okay, so my meaning there, in case you didn't catch it, if we demand that animals must consent to how we use their bodies for our own pleasure, then do you respect an animal's consent to not end up on your dinner plate or in a, in a Happy Meal box? And he said, he, this is what he said to me, okay? He said, that's a good argument, but you can also get diseases from goats. So notice his argument has shifted now, okay? Look how quickly he moved off the, off the consent thing and he switched his argument to something else. His whole basis before was consent. And I took that apart with one question. So he said to me, you can get diseases from goats. So I said, you can also get diseases from humans. What does that have to do with anything? He's totally moved off of his original argument. And then he, then, so I said, what, you can also get diseases from humans. He said, it's a mix of both the consent thing and the disease thing. So he tells me, in other words, he's, he's admitting that neither of his arguments that he's presented were enough to explain why bestiality is wrong. So he's trying to say you have to take both of his weak arguments and mix them together. And I said, listen, if your premises, if they can't even stand on their own, they can't hold each other up because that's not how logic works. Mixing a bunch of bad arguments together doesn't make it into a good argument. By the way, I'm just, uh, here's why you listen to this podcast, because I explain stuff like this. This is a tell right here for when someone doesn't have a good argument. OK, the media does this kind of thing. They'll try to give you 10 reasons for something. Guys, if something is true, you don't need 10 reasons to be convinced of it. You just need one, right? One good argument is all it takes to prove something. So when someone says they don't have a good argument, that they need to give you a list, that's a persuasion tactic, but it's not a logical argument. Now, it's very persuasive, and that's why the media does it all the time. The news will go on. They'll say, oh, hey, here's 10 reasons why this Democrat bill is good. Okay, when you hear that, that's a sign that it's propaganda. 
Because if something is truly good, you don't need 10 reasons to vote for it. You only need one good reason, right? Like the left would do this a lot when they try to claim that Donald Trump is racist. <laughs> okay, I had, I had this conversation like a million times in the past five years. You say, why do you say that Donald Trump is racist? And they will tell you, oh, I can give you 10 examples. Okay, when someone says that, when they say they have 10 reasons to give you for something, that's, again, that's a persuasion tactic, but it's not a logical, it's not a logical argument. So here's what you say. You tell them, no, I don't need 10 examples. I just need one. Just give me your best one. Right? You don't need 10 reasons to declare someone racist. You just need one example, okay, of them doing or saying a racist thing. That's enough. Okay, so here's what I would say to someone. Give me your very best reason that you say Donald Trump is racist. What's your very best reason? Okay, and, and they could go to whatever. It's so, it's so easy to, dis to dismantle these. They'll, they'll say something like this. Oh, Donald Trump says he wants to build a wall on the border of Mexico. And say, okay, well, there's lots of logical reasons that somebody could want to cut down on illegal immigration that have nothing to do with race. There's been several Democrat politicians over the years, like Barack Obama, who proposed putting a barrier on the border. So you can't say that, like, that's not proof of someone being racist. Then the person will be like, oh, okay, well, what about this? And then they'll give their second best reason, all right? That's what you should demand from them. Once you take apart their first reason and explain why it's not really racist, say, what's your second best reason for thinking this? And then they'll say something, you know, they'll say something like, well, tr Trump called all Mexican racists. So then you just say, okay, let's look at the original quote and you go Google it. This is a thing Democrats say all the time. They say, oh, he, he, he called, I just might've said racist. Trump called all Mexicans rapists or drug dealers, you know, they'll say this, that Trump called all Mexicans drug dealers or rapists. Well, go look at the original quote. No, he didn't. Okay, so you go pull up the original quote and then you say, okay, what is your next best reason that Donald Trump is racist, all right? And you can do this, you know, two or three times and then stop them, okay? Because none of their reasons that they say Donald Trump is racist, none of them are gonna hold up. And then you say this, you say, okay, I asked you for proof that Donald Trump was racist. You gave me your two or three best examples and none of them held up. So I don't need to see reasons four through 10. Your first three, your best three were all the best. All right. And that's how you win an argument. And, and they'll protest. They'll be like, wait a minute. You can't just take one of these reasons as proof. You got to take them all collectively. Well, guess what? That's not how logic works, guys. Okay. That's how persuasion works. And it apparently worked on you, but that's not how logic functions. So when someone says that they don't have a, one single good reason to believe something, they, they say they have three or four half reasons to believe it, then you know what? They don't really have a good argument. That, that's what makes somebody a conspiracy theorist. So to go back to my original discussion, this guy who had been mocking the Bible and saying, well, why do you follow the Bible? You know, it was written by men who have sex with goats. Humanism gives you all you need. But yet he could not explain why on humanism that it was wrong to have sex with goats, okay? So if you remember, this only got brought up in the first place because he was trying to mock the Bible's morality, saying that humanism gave him all the moral framework that we need and that the Bible, you know, for, for reasons I already stated, that we, can't, we shouldn't even bother with the Bible. All I did was ask him a simple question. Why on humanism 
is bestiality wrong? And he could not give me a single reason. He tried consent. He tried diseases. But neither one of those are logically sound arguments. So, you know, after that, at that point, then this is what he says to me. He says, why are you asking this in the first place? Do you want to have sex with goats? <laughs> like that was that was his sad attempt to try to put me in the hot seat for an issue that he brought up. He tried to make me then sound like the weirdo for questioning him on the, on the weird lie that he had brought up in the first place to insult the Bible. So listen, guys, if someone's, if you're, if anyone's whole worldview or if anyone's stance on something, if it can crumble because of one simple question, that is a fragile, worthless worldview. Humanism, guys, atheistic humanism, it can't even explain why bestiality is wrong. If you think I'm wrong about that, send me an email. We'll give you the email and an address in a few minutes. If you think I'm wrong about that, send us an email. Prove me wrong. Atheism, humanism can't even explain why it would be wrong to have sexual relations with a farm animal. If your whole worldview can crumble because of one simple question, it's a worthless worldview. It's like Matt Walsh going on Dr. Phil a few weeks ago, and he just asked, what is a woman? Because he's talking with these transgender activists. Everyone's freaking out about it. How that question is too hard to ask what a woman is. How he was being mean for asking a question. Guys, that's a really basic, simple question. And, and people were complaining that he was attacking the gender activists just by asking it. That's how shallow and empty their, their worldview is. And humanists, um, if, if I have any humanists still listening at this point, I just say, guys, you have no moral framework that's undergirding your life. I'm not saying humanists or atheists that they can't be good people, that they can't do good things, okay? Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying they have a subjective morality that can differ from person to person, and you can't prove why one thing is right or wrong. And the horrifying reality is when you have no moral framework, you lose a basis by which to declare something like pedophilia or bestiality. You lose your framework for declaring why it's wrong. You no longer have a moral system to determine these things. All right. I'm not trying to insult atheists here. I'm just pointing something out about their worldview. I'm not saying they can't be good. I'm saying that when they do something good, they have no basis for saying why it's good. When someone does something bad, they have no basis to prove why it's bad. And guys, we warned you about this back before you changed the gay marriage laws. Okay, we said America was not just going against God's morality, but that they had no moral system to replace it with. They were just ex exchanging one moral system, the biblical one, the one that they didn't like. They were just exchanging that with nothing. Because they said, hey, we don't like the Bible anymore, so we'll just be ruled by nothing. There's no philosophical background to sexual morality anymore. The only rule they're using is consent. And like I've pointed out, that's a flimsy rule when it's not rooted in anything. We have 50 states, okay? There's variety even within those states regarding consent laws. They can be changed pretty easily. And many of us pointed that out when gay marriage was being debated a few years ago. Um, many of us pointed out that if you don't understand why a fence was put up, you don't just tear it down because you don't like it. You don't tear down a fence if you aren't going to put one up somewhere else, if you don't know why it was put up in the first place. 
And what were we told? Oh, that's just the slippery slope argument. Slippery slope. Slippery slope fallacy. Well, here we are, guys, slipping off the slope. College professors advocating pedophilia. That's not even the first one in the past year. Guys, am I just some prophet who can see the future? Well, yes, I am. So that's why you should be subscribed to this podcast. Okay, um, stick around for a few minutes because we're going to learn what is racist for this week. Before I close down later, uh, I want to mention this here. If you'd like to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way. And whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. Also, to stay in touch throughout the week, we're on Twitter at Fake News Weekly. If you like Bible studies, or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References. And this week, I'm doing an episode that it actually kind of ties into current events. It's called Socialism Versus the Bible. And that is coming in two parts. Um, it's coming on Monday and Tuesday. So go check out our other podcast on Monday if you want to hear about why socialism is not compatible with the Bible. Um, and that that program typically has new episodes on Mondays. Um, just go look up cross-references on Apple, on Spotify. Wherever you get this podcast, you can also find my other one. Yes, you can still find me on Spotify for now. <laughs> and, uh, so each week, we talk about something that's racist. Everything is racist. Because every week, something else has been declared racist. A rock was racist. Trees are racist. Anti-racism is racist. Like, these are all things that have been declared racist in the past year, <laughs> for real. And, and yet today, I want to talk about something that a leftist tried to declare was not racist this week. And that is the Holocaust. Yeah, everything is racist, okay? According to Democrats, everything is racist, except... For, uh, well, Democrat Whoopi Goldberg, she says everything is racist except for the most famous example of racism in human history, which was the attempted genocide of the Jewish people by Adolf Hitler. Well, also, if you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's well, not about maybe race. It's, 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 no, it's about a different it, race. But it's, it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's not about and, ideal and race. It's it's not, but these are two Roma. white groups of people. Well, they have to black people see too. them as white people. And they, but you're missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. Yeah. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. So Whoopi's position is that um, Jews are white, and so th the Holocaust was whites against whites, that the, Ger the Germans were white and Jews are white, so therefore this wouldn't be racism because it was all white people attacking each other. Now, this is, this is literally incorrect, by the way, guys. Um, the Nazis vowed to get rid of the Jews because they saw the Jews as a lesser race. And uh, the Jewish people do have an ancestry from the Middle East, obviously, and they tend to have a little bit darker skin, than like your average German would. So what Whippy Goldberg said was literally totally incorrect. But I will say, this kind of goes right down the alley of what Democrats often believe. Like Democrats often do try to lump Jews in with whites when they're complaining about white supremacy. 
they, they'll try to lump Jews right in that category too. Basically, Democrats view Jewish people, and, and a lot of times Asian people too, they view them as more successful, so they try to consider Jews and Asians white a lot of the time, rather than people of color, which is the common phrase they use nowadays, people of color. And they, they do exclude Jews from that a lot, and also uh, Asians a lot, um, because they view those those racial groups as more <laughs> successful, and so therefore more supremacist, su- supreme, therefore in the white supremacy movement. Um, there's literally an affirmative action case going before the Supreme Court right now, because a lot of liberal colleges are discriminating against Asian students. They're limiting how many Asian students can get in, even though Asian students tend to be some of the most qualified um, students to go into these big colleges and universities. They have awesome test scores. They're trying to limit the number of Asians that they will allow in so that too many Asians don't get represented and therefore push out some of the lesser qualified applicants of other races. They've been doing this to white kids for years, by the way. But they were finally sued over it because now it's negatively affecting Asians too. And Republicans are bringing the lawsuit about this. Um, Democrats, here's what I'm saying. I'm glad that's going before the Supreme Court, by the way, because I want them to get rid of that affirmative action nonsense. But uh, that'll we'll talk about that on a future program, I'm sure. So d- here's the point. Democrats, they have a real problem with differentiating between who is white. <laughs> and it, it changes week by week. And so that's why Whoopi said what she said. Um, but what she said was going a little bit too far, even for the liberal wackos on The View. Okay, again, she said something that's it's pretty well in line with their own philosophy and outlook on like race. But the problem is she said it a lot more bluntly than the Democrats usually are. And she probably shouldn't have tried to use the Holocaust as an example, not just because it's lazy, <laughs> but, but also because that is supposed to be like the, the most clear example that you can point to of racism and evil and moral atrocity. Just probably shouldn't have jumped to that so quickly. That's why we jump to it a lot, because it is the clearest example. She shouldn't have tried to muddy the waters on that. So anyway, she said something that was just a little too blunt, even for the Democrats. And there have been lots of calls from people now on the right, and even on the left, that she should be fired over this. So I will say, she apologized after making these comments. And, um, you know, it was a fine apology, as far as apologies go. Uh, here's what you want from an apology, okay? When, when, we, when someone apologizes for something stupid that they said, what you want from it is you want an acknowledgement that what you said was wrong. You don't want someone making excuses for what they did. You just want them to acknowledge that what they did was wrong. You want them to be able to explain what they did wrong so that you know that they understand. And then you want a promise that they won't do it again in the future. So we, and, and expressing remorse and contrition, that's what we consider a full apology, okay? Acknowledge what you did wrong. Don't make excuses. Explain what you did. Express remorse over it. Confirm, affirm that you will not do it again in the future. That is a full apology. Let me just say this. Whoopi Goldberg gave that. She gave a full apology. So my hot take on this as a, I'm saying it's a hot take as a right winger. I think she should keep her job. Why is that? Because she said something dumb and she immediately apologized. She acknowledged her error. She immediately said how she would do better in the future. Do you want to know who else says dumb things on a regular basis? Everybody on earth. 
Okay, we all say things that we regret. We all get stuff wrong. And not all of us have the opportunity to keep it quiet and limited, all right? Some people spend an hour on TV or doing public speaking every day as like part of their jobs. Some of that dumb stuff is gonna happen behind a camera or in front of a camera, I should say, or on a microphone. So let me just ask everybody, what kind of world do you wanna live in? Do you wanna live in a world where you can't be forgiven whenever you say something stupid? Or do you wanna live in a world where you can? I'm asking this because we are living in a cancel culture, mo cancel culture moment where people are getting fired for stuff or deplatformed with no option for forgiveness. Sometimes getting fired for stuff that happened 10 years ago or longer. And I, I don't wanna live in that kind of world. I don't wanna live in a world where something dumb that I said 10 years ago is gonna come back to bite me today. Uh, I'm like me personally, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Not that I'm a radically different person, but I'm sure there's stuff I said 10 years ago that I probably wouldn't say today. I'm sure that's true of everybody. So why are we not allowed to grow and change anymore as individuals? And, and the reason is right now is because we also live in a social media age where like right now, our lives have a digital record. Something you said 10 years ago that nobody even remembers that could still be searched up in like our Facebook or our Twitter his history and, and brought back from the ethers of time. So everything you say on the internet has a digital record somewhere. Now let's get back to Whoopi because she didn't say something terrible 10 years ago. She said something terrible this past week. And I, I just want to say, I think we need to stop trying to get people fired just because they got something wrong. If she repeatedly made racist or incorrect statements, then I'd be fine with firing someone over that. But I think we as a society, we need to start being more willing to forgive. And I know some people are going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. She apologized, but she didn't mean it. And, and here's what I'd say to that. Okay. She did the right thing. She had everything that an apology is supposed to have. I don't think we should try to judge, like believe that we can read people's minds or read people's hearts. All right. I think like if they're not even trying to sound remorseful, then you can kind of read it pretty easy. In some cases it's, it's more obvious, but I think we got to we, we shouldn't try to play the mind reading game where we just know what someone's actually thinking. A lot of people f apologize after saying something dumb and they don't mean it. OK, but is that a standard we want others to hold us to that whenever we apologize, they just get to decide if they think that we mean it or not? I don't think that's a standard we want to live by. That's not the kind of world I want to live in. I want to live in a world that's more willing to forgive. Gina Carano was f fired off the Disney Star Wars show called The Mandalorian last year, not even for saying something wrong, not even for saying something racist. She made a Holocaust comparison that if you look at what she originally said, she was saying that we need to stop demonizing our fellow citizens and making them out to be the enemy. And she made a Holocaust comparison that this is what the Germans did to the Jews to pave the way for the Holocaust. And so Disney fired her for that saying that her Holocaust comparison was offensive. It wasn't offensive. They just didn't like <laughs> that in her Holocaust analogy, the Democrats were the ones who were demonizing their fellow citizens. Um, when that's exactly true, that's what they do. So they proved that they are the bad guys by firing her over her viewpoints. And meanwhile, Pedro Pascal, the, the Mandalorian, he says obscene things about the conservatives all the time. On his Twitter, he gets to keep his job. He is defending a pedophile. That's what I like to call him Pedo Pascal now. He was defending a pedophile that Kyle Rittenhouse shot. 
he gets to keep his job. So that, that's why I haven't even watched The Mandalorian again or their new Boba Fett show that they got right now ever since they fired Gina Carano because Disney just took all the fun out of it for me by being jerks, by being biased, by cancel culture. I don't, I'm not saying I'll never watch The Mandalorian shows again. Maybe I will someday. Like right now, I just have no desire. They've killed my enjoyment of it because of the unfair cancel culture. So I want the canceling to end. I'll go on record here as a conservative. I would say... Let Whoopi keep her job. Give her another chance. If she keeps making offensive comments, you know, that might that could be grounds for firing down the road. I want to stop with the gotcha attitude, where if people make one big mistake, then they're gonzo. That's that's making the world a worse place, and I don't want to be a part of that. I, some conservatives, like Ben Shapiro, they're calling for her to be fired, saying that this is how the left treats the right all the time, getting us fired, so therefore we need to play by the same rules. Mutually assured destruction is what he calls it. That they won't stop the cancel culture war until it starts taking more of their own out. And I understand where he's coming from on that. Like, he might, he could be right. He could be right. I would just like to win that war by being the bigger person, not by getting down into the mud with them. Hey, if my way doesn't work, you know, maybe eventually we do have to get down in the mud with them. Sometimes that's necessary when it comes to that to make something go away. I'm just not there yet. I would like to win by being the bigger person. Let Whoopi go. <laughs> I hate even calling her Whoopi because her name is not actually Whoopi, which is no surprise if you think about it, whose name is going to be Whoopi. Her real name is Karen Johnson. <laughs> For real. That's right. She's a Karen. And she didn't think that Karen Johnson sounded ethnic enough, so she changed it to Whoopi Goldberg. Kind of like um, Abram Kendi. His real name is Henry Rogers, but he didn't think that sounded black enough. So he uses a made-up name so he can be an author about made-up racism. Well, Whoopi Goldberg is actually Karen Johnson. And she just didn't think that sounded black enough. So if you're going to fire her for something, fire her for being a Karen and trying to hide that from us. Because <laughs> now we know the truth. <laughs> All right. I was going to do a Beyond the Headline, but I think I've talked enough for this week. Um, and I this week I had wanted to do a retrospective, but I felt like just too much interesting stuff happened in the news. So by this point, really, in the program, I've talked long enough. Um, if the fake news could slow itself down for a week or two, I would really like to do some retrospectives that are like, I'd like to do one on coronavirus lying. I'd like to do one on presidential lying. I've got those in the works already. I'm just waiting for the best moment to release them. So let's go ahead and close down for today. I'll just say this. Leave Joe Rogan alone. Leave Whoopi alone. Give Gina Carano her job back. Be willing to forgive. Be the bigger person. Let's have peace. We don't have to agree on everything. We can disagree, but it's time to stop firing everybody for it. Um, if today we can't work a job alongside people we disagree with, or if tomorrow we can't speak on social media alongside people that we disagree with, then on a long-term basis, how can we share a country with people we disagree with? Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you if you hear someone under 30 say that they know who Neil Young or Joni Mitchell is, that's just fake news. 